Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of AdMail. This is Adam Bergman, founder of IRA Financial. I'm here to help you find the answers to the most frequently asked questions from my clients about self-directed retirement accounts. If you want to learn more, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on social media. Just search IRA Financial. It's IRA valuation time. So on today's ad mail, I am going to explore three great questions on how to value your self-directed IRA. Hi everyone, Adam Bergman here, tax attorney and founder of IRA Financial. Welcome to another episode of AdMail. <clears throat> Got three great questions for you on valuating your self-directed IRA. So without further ado, let's get right to it. First question is from Joe H. of Vero Beach, Florida. And Joe is a great client of IRA Financial. I know Joe pretty well. He asks, why do the valuations for these for those taking in requirement and distribution require a signature? So Joe, great question. Um, why? Because it's a taxable event. So if you take a requirement of distribution, meaning you're over 72 or you have an inherited IRA or you're taking a taxable distribution, we're required as the IRA custodian to provide a fair market valuation to the IRS. So because it's a taxable event, our internal compliance rules dictate that the client should have the requirement of distribution form signed. Okay, so when you're valuating your IRA, it's very important that that valuation, which is going to key what your requirement of distribution is, is signed by an independent third party. Okay, so for example, and this is something the IRS is actually more concerned about than self-directed IRA. So we were, as an industry, one thing we've always been in debate with uh, the IRS on is what extent does the custodian or a client that invests their retirement funds and alternative assets, what responsibility do they have to provide a fair market value? Clearly, if you're going to require the client to go get a formal valuation for every asset they own, then the alternative asset industry is pretty much dead. Because unless you're super wealthy or have lots of money in your retirement account doing big deals, you're not going to spend three, four, five thousand $5,000 on a valuation for a $60,000, $70,000 transaction um, each year. It just doesn't make economic sense. So we've always pushed back and said, listen, it's not a taxable event. We're going to do our best to have the client provide a valuation. But if Joe's 42 or 56, what does it matter if he values the account at 103 or 102? Because when he hits 72, he's going to have to give you that valuation, which will obviously key in what the RMD is. Generally, an RMD, when you hit 72 and have a pre-tax IRA or 401k, you have to uh, take into account or take a taxable distribution. Generally, it's about 3% of the value as of 1231 of the prior year. So that's why the valuation of the self-directed IRA account is so material because the RMD, which is taxable revenue to the IRS, is keyed off that number. So that's why we require you to provide an independent um, signature on that valuation. Now, that doesn't mean the IRS has to accept that valuation. I've seen instances where the IRS will ask for a secondary valuation 
to confirm the first if they feel that the valuation is low. So it's just something that we require. Um, it's good practice. And you don't have to go out and spend lots of money. If you have a real estate asset, you can use a tax record or a Trulia or a, um, have a realtor sign it. You don't need to go and hire a fancy accounting firm to, to um, provide a valuation. You just want to make sure someone independent that has some expertise in the field is signing off. So thanks for that question, Joe. Happy uh, New Year. Uh, second question is from Linda F. of Concord, New Hampshire. I know also know Linda pretty well. Last couple of years, she's been a client. But her financial, she asks, I bought a condo with my self-directed IRA with a non-recourse loan. How do I value my self-directed IRA? So just like anything else, Linda, you have to value it, including the loan. So if you paid $100,000 in cash and you borrowed $100,000 on a non-recourse loan and you bought the property for two hundred. dollars now it's worth 240, you have to report the value of 240. Even though your equity in that home maybe is only 120, you need to report it as 240. So you may be saying, if you're listening and say, wait, if I, if Joe, let's go back to Joe. Let's say Joe had a property that had a non-recourse loan and Joe, let's say is over 72. He's worried about requirement distribution. Joe puts in a hundred thousand bucks, borrows a hundred thousand property purchase price is 200. 10 years later, and now it's worth 500, okay? Um, his RMD is based off that 500. Even though his equity in it may only be half of that or, or 400, whatever, whatever that number is, he has to pay an RMD on the leverage portion, which kind of seems unfair since ultimately he'd have to pay back that loan. But the way it works is it's based off value, okay? And value includes the note, the non-recourse leverage. It doesn't talk about equity, it talks about value. So that's just something to keep in mind. If you have leverage and you're getting close to an RMD, you may want to find a way to reduce your leverage or get that property out of your IRA before 72. So you're not taking RMD or at least an inflated RMD on a uh, valuation that includes a, a note that you're going to have to pay back. So um, thanks for that question, Linda. And again, happy new year. Third question is from Doug B. of Irvine, <laughs> and I don't know Doug, so sorry um, we haven't met yet, Doug, but I look forward to working with you. And the question is, I put a house under contract using my 401k self-directed account and flipped the contract before closing for a fee. Do I have to do anything to show my account increased in value? So I wanted to include this, and thanks, uh, Barry, who produces this podcast. Um, this goes to valuation. So when you value your account, you're obviously going to include cash. You're going to include the fair market value of any asset, whether it's stock, crypto, real estate, note. Again, fair market value also includes leverage um, and the value of any contract. So in this case, Doug, you're asking, you put a house on a contract. Let's say it's for 100K. You put, 10, let's say, 5% down. You put 5,000. You flipped it, <coughs> meaning you probably made some money on that flip. And you got a fee for that flip. So that cash on that flip should be in your IRA account. And that would be part of the valuation of your IRA. You wouldn't include the purchase, well, the con the, the home, because you don't own it anymore, right? You just flip the contract. So let's say you had an IRA with a hundred grand in it, and now you flip this deal and you made 20 on it, your valuation would be 120. You wouldn't include the $300,000 home or whatever that property's worth because, again, once you flip the contract, you flip the contract. You're no longer the 
uh, owner on that contract. So again, just remember cash plus the value of any in-kind asset like stock, cryptos, gold, real estate, private investment funds, <coughs> and, and obviously uh, not any leverage associated with it. Now, what happens if you can't get the value? Um, if it's not an RMD situation or not a taxable distribution, you do your best. If you have to use last year's value, use it. I have a lot of clients that, that work with private equity hedge funds and they just can't get a valuation to the client in time. Um, just impossible. So they generally will do their best to provide a value or they'll just use the value they paid for the asset. Now, if they were in the RMD cycle over the age of 72, you'd want to get something more um, formal, something independent. So you'd have either someone in that fund giving you a valuation or have your accountant provide a valuation. Someone independent needs to sign off on that valuation form. Uh, again, that's only if you are in the RMD cycle. If you are not in the RMD environment because you're under the age of 72 or you don't have an inherited IRA, you don't really have to worry about it as much. Yes, you want to be accurate. Um, but again, if you just give us last year's value um, and in your best estimation, uh, the asset hasn't materially changed in value, you know, that will suffice. Again, it's not a taxable event. So it's not as dire that the valuation be as uh, precise as possible. But again, you still want to be close. Why you want to show the IRS a you know stage, right? You want to show that you, uh, when you get to the age of 72, if you still have that asset, you want to be able to set the stage for them and show either the graduated rise or decrease or the cycle of value of that asset. But what, why does the IRS care? No, obviously, they just want data, right? It's, it's like any government, whether you're China or the US or, or France, governments want data. The data means more control um, and that's the game, right? The more data they have on our retirement accounts, the more control they feel they can exercise and um, they, they feel the more um, precise they can be in audits uh, when, when it comes to the RMD cycle and you're over the age of 72. And let's say you had this piece of real estate for the last eight years that you valued at 120 and now you're suddenly at age 72 valuing at 60. They at least now have depth of basis to say, hey, Adam, the history on this asset, something's not shaking out. You've reported a value of 100 plus, and now you're age 72, and that value has decreased to this level. We think something fishy is going on. So the data helps them get a clearer picture at the RMD age, what's going on. Now, most people don't hold assets for 10, 15 years, so that data is really not useful to that extent. But again, it just gives the IRS <coughs> a clear picture as to the value of what's happening in that account so that if, if they see something drastic where your IRA has been above 200,000 for the last 20 years, anywhere from two to 500, and suddenly at age 72, it's worth 160, you know, I'm sure that their computer uh, bells will be going off and saying, hey, there's something going on here. This 5498 looks out of whack. Let's potentially look at it. I'm assuming their, their software would catch that. No one knows, right? I get this question asked to me all the time. What triggers an audit in an evaluation setting of 54 or 5498? Um, no one knows, right? If, if we knew how these um, valuations of 5498, which is the form it's reported on, we report it at the end of May, um, 
you know, it, it would be more clear, but no one knows. The IRS doesn't tell us. Um, they, they have their ways. Interesting enough, again, there's no special audit department for IRAs. The audit falls under the Small Business Self-Employed Division. So basically when they audit your 1040, your tax return, what they do generally if you're over the age of 72, they may ask, where's your IRA invested? If you say it's in alternatives, they may start probing and say, okay, um, what are you doing? What are you invested in? So on and so forth. If you're doing stocks, they may say, okay, give me your statement. Or they can just pull the 5498 and then kind of see what's going on. No one knows. Uh, anyone that tells you they know what triggers an audit is lying to you. Uh, I have people that work at the IRS. They don't even know. Okay. They just get the reports. Um, I've been a tax lawyer for over 20 years. I've been in the self-directed industry for almost 13 years. No one knows. Um, so it, it's just do the right thing. Be as accurate you can as evaluation um, as possible. Obviously, if you're under 72, you don't need to go hire um, PwC and spend $30,000 on evaluation, but you want to be accurate. You want to create a good environment and a, um, I think a environment where the valuations are accurate over a long horizon. You don't want to get to a situation where you value an asset at a hundred thousand bucks for the last six years because you were lazy. And then suddenly you sell that asset for $7 million, right? That's not probably a positive uh, re reporting uh, situation. You probably want to be more accurate. So over that 10 years, you can show go from 100 to 200 to 600 to 2 million to 3 million, you know, so on and so forth w versus just a big, big increase or decrease, which could raise audit uh, flags um, if, if possible. Uh, to me, that's something that if they had a good computer system, the IRS, that's something they'd flag where the 5498 goes up or down by like more than 25 or 30 percent in a year. Maybe that that does something in terms of flagging um, a uh, form that that should be audited. Again, I'm I'm just I'm not I'm not reporting. This is something that, um, in my opinion, uh, if I was running the IRS, I would probably want to uh, institute. But not reporting that that actually happens. So no one really knows, but just be as accurate as you can. If you're over the age of 72, taking a taxable distribution, <coughs> have an inherited IRA, you got to be super uh, accurate. You want to get an independent expert to uh, sign off. Um, in, in some cases, we'll sign off too. If it's just cash in the account, like we'll sign off on that or, or um, our compliance department sometimes uh, will, will help uh, in that regard. So reach out if, if you're a client and we'll, we'll assist. We also have valuation firms we work with that are very moderately priced, independent, and can get you a valuation if you need one, if it's a more complex asset, not something that's um, you know, freely tradable like, like equities or cryptos or gold, something a little more um, specialized like real estate or investment funds. So otherwise, happy, happy new year, healthy new year. Um, and I'll talk to everyone again in 2022. Take care. Thank you.